Hello friends and welcome back to A Stillness. Today we are going to talk about resisting marketing and no by practices. It's not a mistake that I'm doing this in the midst of the holiday season. I had really hoped that this episode would come out before Black Friday, but it didn't and that's okay. And Black Friday is not inherently evil. Sometimes it's nice to get things on sale. Sometimes it's nice to be able to pick up items that maybe we typically wouldn't be able to afford to pick up for our loved ones. Again, for gift giving, I have nothing against gift giving. And I want to be really clear that I have nothing against consuming. Like as humans, we have to consume. (laughs) Human bodies cannot live unless we are consuming food. We cannot live well unless we are consuming, using, sometimes wearing through, using up clothing. It is impossible for humans to live well outside of stable, secure housing and shelter. And so, of course, of course, as humans, we are going to be consumers. This episode is not in any way intended to shame anyone who enjoys shopping or enjoys, you know, a holiday spending spree. I'm in that category of people. I like themed Christmas decor and I like decorating and adorning my house and I like decorating and adorning my body and I love clothes and I enjoy fashion and and all of that is true and I detest modern marketing and I wish that we talked about it more. So that's what we're going to talk about today. If you are a Patreon sacred supporter, you'll know that a no-buy practice is not new to me. It's something I've done several times before. I've created digital guides for them. It is a ritual of intention around what we purchase and why. But I feel that even the inspiration to do a no-buy practice really fundamentally starts with marketing and just how much of it is around us. Even now, did you notice that I just marketed my my no-buy guides? Did it make your ears perk up? Did it make you go, oh, I'm being marketed to? Did it salute some kind of red or at least yellow flag? Or did it just sound normal? Is it normal to you that everyone has something they're selling? Is it normal to you that everyone's been told they have a personal brand? This is what I mean by I don't detest consuming, but I detest consumerism as this almost cultural value that surrounds us. It is estimated that the average American, so the average person living in the U.S., and I believe the study is specifically about adults, see on average 4,000 to 10,000 ads per day. Meaning in a given 24-hour period, we interact with, see, hear, or otherwise are notified 
through advertising thousands of times over. This is not normal. This is not normal for the human psyche. This is, I think, why we can hear ads and it doesn't even register as like, oh, that was an advertisement. We can be marketed to and it can feel like, oh, that's not marketing. That wasn't pushy. That was just notifying me. That was just letting me know something. We view marketing and ads like it's just neutral information. And sometimes it is, right? There is that kind of, like I would say, a weather announcement, right? Is like just information. The the National Weather Service is not advertising that there's a winter storm coming, right? They're notifying us so that we can prepare or behave accordingly. But marketing... I think we tend to put oftentimes in that same category, like it's just information for our own good and benefit, when actually there is the motive of making profit. I also don't think it's wrong for businesses to be profitable. This is, this goes along with the like humans need to consume things. I'm glad that a grocery store that's very close to my house is profitable Because that means that grocery store will stay, hopefully, in that location, which is very close to my home and is very convenient for me. I hope that grocery store remains profitable. The issue is that we expect profitability and productivity from every single person, thing, and entity in our U.S. culture. This permeates so many things. It permeates how we eat. It permeates where we eat. It permeates how we dress. It permeates where we buy the things that we are using to clothe our bodies and how much of it we are buying. And we know that consumerism at its kind of modern standard, at least in um, highly developed, also could be called empirical or um, colonized countries or colonizer countries, our expectations for even just basic needs are so high and it's constantly getting higher. There's like this constant lifestyle increase, also sometimes called a lifestyle flex, that is happening. I don't think all of that is bad. You know, I don't think it's... um, unreasonable that we consider toilet paper a basic need, but we need to remember that it actually wasn't that long ago in human history where that wasn't a basic need and that was a luxury. Now, we could argue that it's more hygienic. We could argue that we figured out more sustainable ways to make it, like toilet paper from bamboo instead of other kinds of paper products or tree products or from other kinds of tree material. But my point remains that the things that we so often consider basic necessities, we are actually only just a couple generations removed from them not being basic necessities. And yet it's not enough for us. Even if we were to expand very generously 
the expectations or standards for basic needs, most of us are consuming high and above those levels. Again, I don't hate us for being consumers. (laughs) I don't think it's wrong that you're like, yeah, I buy way above the basic need of whatever, fill in the blank, art supplies. But art supplies bring me joy. And I love creating with them. And maybe you're one of those people who your art supplies are lucrative. First of all, kudos. And second of all, like, yay, good for you. I'm not shaming that we consume. What I am shaming is the level, mm, and not even shaming, I don't like that term. I'm wanting us to be aware of the level. The level of marketing, the level of psychology that goes into marketing processes and just how rampant and constant it is. It's so constant that we consider it normal. There is some language that's developing around advertising and marketing and how it's impacting our psyche. One example is that highly, highly targeted ads are sometimes called stalker ads. Because it's like, how could that company possibly know that I was even thinking of buying that thing? I haven't even talked about buying that thing. And yet here it is. I'm getting an ad for it. Those are sometimes called stalker ads. Which there's not enough scientific evidence currently to suggest that we behave towards ads as we would towards a stalker. But I do find it really telling that already we are recognizing that our nervous system cannot healthily process and handle what it means to, in a way, be followed around, constantly watched, so that we're in this highly, highly, highly niche demographic and we're getting ads based off of these niches, things that feel like personality or things that we just genuinely like. I like really colorful clothing and boy, have all of the ads figured that out. Like I am not marketed to with neutral colors (laughs) when it comes to clothes. And it's a little unnerving that something that just feels so like personal, like just a personal preference is now something that can be exploited for companies' profits. When I first started a know-by practice, the most powerful thing for me wasn't the money that I saved or the, the kind of tiptoeing into minimalism that I began to do. The most impactful thing for me was just beginning to recognize how much I am marketed to. And especially how much marketing towards those raised as female in our society has to do with how we are not enough. We aren't thin enough. Our skin isn't smooth enough. We're not toned enough. Those clothes aren't flattering enough. Your face isn't bright and shiny and dewy and glowy enough. And here are all of the products that can make you close to enough. 
But of course, it's it's never actually enough. Like there's always another thing. Because even if you do all of that, then like your hair is too greasy or it's too dry or your nails aren't painted the trendy colors of this season or the jewelry that you wear is so outdated or the styles that you love are so off trend. And so for me, as much as I was wanting to rewire my own habits around shopping, the thing that really, really got me in 2019, which was um, the first time that I did a no-buy practice and I did it for a whole year, (laughs) I kind of dove right in, Um, but the thing that really changed things for me was just recognizing how much marketing was towards my body and how I presented my body and what was considered the okay or reasonable ways to present my body. It was after, it was during 2019 actually that my favorite bra broke, which if you're a bra wearing babe, you you will understand there's like the favorite bra that just fits perfectly, has conformed. It's like so old and it's just for some reason the most perfect bra ever. And even if you had other ones of the same kind, they're not the same kind of like worn in and ideal as that one favorite bra. So my one favorite bra broke and bras were not something I had put on my list of acceptable purchases for the year. I didn't think about it when I made the list. I didn't think that my bra was necessarily going to break down that year. And so because it was an item to perhaps be replaced, I had to go through these questions that I had set up for myself. Like if I wanted to replace something, there were three questions I would ask just to make sure that I'm really replacing something that's truly needed and adds value to my life. And the very first question is, did I need this item in the first place? And I thought, okay, well, it's a bra. Like, if, like, that has to count as a basic need. Of course, I needed a bra in the first place. And I got really curious. I got genuinely, deeply curious about the history of bra manufacturing and how it's evolved into what it is today. And are bras made ethically or not? You know, if I was going to replace, could I do so in a way that was really an investment in the planet and in my wardrobe? And what I concluded after uh, a couple days, I mean, it wasn't just like a snap decision. It was a couple days of like really researching, trying to understand why bras are like just this expected part of my wardrobe that I decided they weren't. I decided I I actually didn't need this in the first place. Now, I'm not judging you if you're somebody who has different circumstances. I'm very petite. Um, I don't have a whole lot of chest. I um, 
don't like bras. Like I wasn't highly motivated to replace my bra, except that it was my favorite one. (laughs) And um, yeah, I decided in my no by practice that actually this was never necessary in the first place. And so I would not be replacing it. And I haven't worn bras regularly since. That's just one example, but there are so many examples. I switched from a traditional like female brand razor to um, a, in my opinion, much better, much stronger, advertised towards men, razor <laughs> during that practice. I also stopped shaving my armpits during that practice. <laughs> I wore less makeup. I actually wore makeup more regularly, but I wore less makeup as in what I considered essential in my makeup bag changed drastically. I didn't need all of the trendy colors of that particular year. I didn't need whatever the the latest and greatest technology and skincare was, I just realized that there were just a couple things that I liked to have on hand. And that includes like an eyebrow pencil and mascara and a couple lip colors. And that's it. So for me personally, my no by practice became very, very tied to self-esteem and self-esteem as somebody who's raised as a woman in a society and in a culture that is capitalizing off of me not liking my body, that is capitalizing off of me not thinking that I'm pretty enough or doing enough or pulled together enough or professional enough and really kind of refusing to buy into that narrative anymore. I restarted my note by practice personally in September of this year. I had done a couple like I, I would do a couple weeks of no buy between 2019 and um, fall of 2023. But this, this September, I decided I wanted to do another year in a really big kind of significant way, hoping to break some habits specifically around online purchases. So I set up some, you know, boundaries and again, reflective questions to ask before purchasing things and um, gave myself just kind of much more realistic standards, especially around things like birthdays and Christmas and the holidays. I am a gift giver. I um, have several family members that really love gifts. You could argue that that's their love language or one of their primary love languages. So I, you know, adjusted my original rules in a lot of ways, but I'm excited. I'm sure that in a couple months or maybe in a year, I'll share what I've learned from this no by practice. But Instead of telling you exclusively about my personal practice, what I really want to use this episode for is to invite you to consider your own personal rituals around shopping, because that is really what shopping has become culturally. To go shopping together is a kind of like pack bonding experience, and shopping has become very ritualistic, which by the way, I don't think again is inherently bad. Like if you're going to shop for something, yes, 
make it this like ritual, maybe allow yourself to take off the lens of like modern consumerism and recognize just how incredible, like almost miraculous it is that you can buy different kinds of produce year round, that you can get luxurious items that were handcrafted halfway across the world and they're showing up in the like boutique in your neighborhood or even more simply like the incredible design of items that you do love and how they've ended up in a Target and how you can go there and get your Starbucks drink and like meander around surrounded by copious amounts of like beauty like that is not bad please make it a ritual if you'd like but maybe also consider not shopping as opportunities for ritual too for me personally a big goal of mine that always resurfaces when I'm doing a no-buy practice is learning or relearning how to mend my own clothes taking some effort to sew buttons back on or get zippers fixed or really work to get a stain out of a piece of clothing before discarding it. Um, Personally, those are some things that come up for me. Can you tell that a lot of my shopping revolves around clothes? But for you, it might be different. It might be home decor. Do you need to just like do a little bit of touch-up paint on items that are worn and loved? Are there other ways that you can kind of extend the life of the things that really do add value to your life or to your space? That is the invitation of a no-buy practice. But again, it doesn't actually start with saying, fuck the system, I hate all this capitalistic BS that is constantly surrounding me. It really starts by saying, oh my goodness, I am being marketed to all the time. It's on my phone. It's in my ears. It's on the radio. It's on the TV. There are multiple devices in my home all at the same time trying to tell me that I need to purchase something to get out of a situation that I'm in. I need to purchase something to maybe get out of a feeling that I'm feeling, that I need to consume more than I actually do need, capital N, And that if only I consume this, get this, plan that trip, spend money here, squirrel away money here. If only I can, you know, like make all these chessboard pieces that are personal finance and marketing and wants and desires and needs and feelings and all of the things. If only I can set it up just so, then it's like checkmate on the system. And I just want you to know that it's, it's not. And it's okay to take a step back and say, this is too much for me. If you are at all inspired to do a no-buy practice, I want to leave you with three tangible tips. First of all, a no-buy practice is highly personal. You can choose to do a no-buy just around a specific category. For me, for example, a category would be no-buying clothing. Um, A category that just really constantly the marketing gets to you, Um, or just a category that you know you tend to enjoy shopping for or consuming. It can be that. It can also be what I'm doing, which is a bit more extreme, which is where I actually list out the things I am allowed to purchase over 
a specific time frame. Always give yourself a specific time frame. It can be 24 hours. It can be 48 hours. It can be a week. It can be a month. It can be six months. It can be a year. I'm doing a year. Um, but list out the things that you actually are going to buy. So, you know, there are the basic necessities, things like rent or mortgage, maybe your cell phone bill, maybe subscriptions that you really do use. And then you can also list out things that are, you know, less uh, tied to truly basic needs. You can list out things like going out with friends, which by the way, I would argue is a basic need. We happen to know that our social needs are categorized in our brain the same way as our physical needs, meaning our brain does not differentiate between our need for housing and clothing any differently than it does for our needs of connection and belonging and intimacy. So take that little tidbit of science and do with it whatever you will. But, you know, feel free to list out, like, you have weddings coming up. Maybe you want to get a new dress for your friend's wedding. Like, again, I think all of that is reasonable. You decide what's reasonable for you. You set up your own boundaries. But here, here are the three tangible things that I highly recommend you do right now if you are feeling so inspired and you are realizing that you do kind of feel like you're being stalked and you do kind of feel like marketing is so constant that it's threatening your connection with other people, that it's threatening your financial well-being, that it is exploiting your desires and interests. Number one thing, take off all the shopping apps off of your phone. All of them. All of them. I would even go so far as to say, take off the games that have really targeted marketing, like between rounds in the game, you know, or like between levels. Remove all that. Secondly, go into your Google account settings. If you have a Google account, you do often have to redo this anytime there's a privacy update. You can also search your emails for a privacy update and it will sometimes prompt you to go to this part of your account center. But in your Google account center, you can change your marketing ad preferences. This does require that personalized ads are on, but I have found it extremely helpful. You can also opt out of, I think there's four or five categories of ads that are considered sensitive material. So you can opt out of ads for things like alcohol, gambling, ads about pregnancy, motherhood, and young children, as well as ads for weight loss and diet programs. I have opted out of all of those. I think there might be a fifth category. I could be wrong though. But go into your account settings, depending on how many accounts you have, like if you're not a Google user, but you kind of have a, a digital footprint is sometimes what it's called elsewhere. Play around with your settings there. You can also play around with settings on your phone and all of these can help you feel a little bit more secure and like a little more empowered around some of your own shopping habits and what the, the digital gods have got on you. Thirdly, unsubscribe. Go through your emails. I'm in the habit of just deleting emails really quickly, but it really is so easy to unsubscribe. Do it for all the things, all the things. Every single store 
that is sending you coupons every single store that's like, today only, 20% off. First of all, it's never today only. And secondly, it's often only 20% off like certain items. So do you even need that information? Probably not. Probably not. Unsubscribe. I would also say that this includes unfollowing, especially if you are active on social media. Unfollow influencers. Like even if they're somebody that you really like. I have some friends who are influencer-esque, as in they occasionally get sponsorships. I have unfollowed them. I can be friends with them. And I don't mind that they're hustling, like we all gotta make it work somehow, but I don't need to see that and be influenced by that all the time. In fact, it's better for my relationship with these friends if that is not what I'm constantly seeing about them. So, unfollow, unsubscribe, change your ad settings as much as you possibly can. You can also often, there will be like the little three dots often in a right hand bottom or top corner of things like pins on Pinterest and I believe Instagram posts, I believe Facebook posts. Again, I'm not really on social media except for Pinterest mostly. So, um, but even on LinkedIn, I think there's almost always an option on a post and you can choose to say, hide this from me. You often have to give a reason, but some of the reasons can be helpful. I've done this all the time for things that slip through the, the weight loss and dieting parameters that I've tried to put up around my world. I will go in and I will say, like, not relevant for me. Depending on the kind of weight loss ad it is, I will choose the option that says this is offensive to me. There's a handful of options that you can choose, but for the first little while, I just invite you to do that. Every time a new email comes in with like, today's big sale, unsubscribe. The next couple times somebody posts something and it's a sponsorship, unfollow. You owe that person nothing. You, again, you, they can even be somebody that you know, that you love dearly, and you still don't owe them a phony online friendship on Instagram. That's not what's owed. Unfollow. And delete. Delete your apps tied to shopping. If that includes Instagram for you, maybe delete Instagram for a little bit. It doesn't have to be permanent. You can always go back to it. But just give yourself the space to notice how your breath changes, how your self-esteem or body image changes, if you are not constantly saturated with the messaging that you don't have enough and that you aren't enough or that you aren't doing enough. To me, that is the essence of a no-buy practice. I might do a part two to this, get into no-buy a little bit more. It's something I'm really passionate about, but I feel like we have to start here. We're being marketed to, it is only ramping up <laughs> this time of year. And you are allowed to say that this doesn't vibe with you. You are allowed to say this is too much. Unfollow, block, mute, report, hide, unsubscribe, 
whatever other digital hermitage feels necessary for you to be able to say, okay, I'm actually going to live in a space for a little while where I'm going to see what it feels like to not constantly be told that I don't have enough, that I am not enough, or that I'm not doing enough. Because, because my friends, I can guarantee that you are enough and you are doing enough. And I think it is sickening that anyone would suggest otherwise.